The Characters of Christmas podcast with Dan Darling is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. I want to welcome you to another episode of The Characters of Christmas. Thank you for joining me as we contemplate the coming of Jesus as our Savior and as we approach the Christmas season and as we approach Christmas Day. Perhaps the most important character at the center of the Christmas story, besides the baby Jesus, is Mary. Um, It's interesting how we think about Mary. Obviously, some traditions like the Catholic tradition venerate Mary um, as someone to be prayed to, to be worshipped. Protestants obviously disagree with that. But there's a sense in which even though we talk and we have a lot of shrines and, and statues to Mary, we actually don't talk about her enough and we don't understand her enough. I want to spend some time today thinking about the, the faith of this great woman. And when we think about where the angel met Mary and the people that God chose to, to steward and carry the Christ child, it's really remarkable. Um, you know, Nazareth, think about a, a tiny small town that you, that might be a, a tiny dot on a map, a town that if you're taking a long drive, you may stop and get fuel or use the restroom or get some snacks at a, at a rest stop. And you think, where in the world are we? This was Nazareth. To get to Nazareth, you'd have to bypass Jerusalem, the city of David, and the center of religious life among the Jewish people. To get to Nazareth, you had to head straight to the part of Caesar's empire that was perhaps the least desirable, Judea. Uh, Nazareth was such a, a backwater that the first thing Nathaniel, who would become a disciple later in Jesus' ministry, the first thing he said about Jesus was, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? In other words, he was saying, why would I be interested in someone who comes from a part of the world that nobody even sees or respects? In fact, if you and I were writing the Christmas story, this is probably where we'd make most of our edits. You just can't have a hero emerge from a place like Nazareth. And yet here we find the opening act of the Christmas story. And what's even more remarkable is that Gabriel, the angel, didn't choose to make this announcement to Herod's daughter or a member of the elite Jewish society, but God in his sovereign wisdom and a plan originated and devised before the world began would come to a poor, illiterate, really unimportant Jewish girl in Nazareth named Mary. And I just want us to think about that as we celebrate Advent this season, as we examine all these characters of Christmas in this special podcast series, there is nobody so unlikely to be at the center of this divine story, the story of God intervening in his creation, of God fulfilling his promise to his people, of God entering after 400 years of silence. There is none so unlikely to be at the center of all this as Mary. 
But look around you. Your family, your faith, they're not in the way. They are the way. From the creators of Jesus Revolution comes the incredible true story. It's going to be dangerous and scary and giving up. It's not an option. The story of one family's journey from down under to center stage. Unsung Hero, a for King and Country film starring Candace Cameron Bure and Terry O'Quinn. In theaters now. Visit unsunghero.movie to learn more. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. Hey listeners, if you're a parent, then we've got a show for you. We know that parenting is not for the faint at heart. It can be hard to connect with your child throughout the many stages of their life. That's why Rabrina Reddle, host of Mama Take Heart, is back this fall. Wife, mom, writer, podcast host, coffee lover, and military veteran, Rabrina has a passion to help you be an influential voice in your daughter's life. In this show, she gives listeners the tools they need to love and lead well in their child's formative years. Whether you're looking for ways to intentionally connect or to have hard conversations, you can find the Mama Take Heart podcast on lifeaudio.com or in your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Mary was not out looking for prominence. She was like every other Jewish peasant girl in Nazareth, trying to live out an ordinary life in an ordinary town with unassuming dreams. I like what one of my favorite pastors, Kent Hughes, says about Mary. He says, from all indicators, her life would not be extraordinary. She would, be, she would marry humbly, give birth to numerous poor children, never travel farther than a few miles from her home, and one day die like thousands of others before her, a nobody in a nothing town in the middle of nowhere. Think about that. A nobody in a nothing town in the middle of nowhere. Nobody knew Mary's name. Nobody, of course, but God. Nobody but God. And of course, we can stop and say, if you're listening to this, that God also knows your name. This is what it means that God is Emmanuel, that God is with us. You'll notice about the story of Christmas that we see The God of the universe visits the lowly of station and the lowly of heart. He dwells among the broken and the contrite. The kingdom of God often moves among those who seem the least worthy. I love the hymn writer Charles Wesley. says, Jesus has come to earth to taste our sadness. He whose glories knew no end. So to fully understand Christmas, you have to kind of immerse yourself in the setting of Luke chapter 2. This visit by Gabriel to Mary was so improbable. So unexpected. The people of God, as we've talked about, were so weary and downtrodden. Once a mighty nation ruled by David and thriving under King Solomon, Israel divided into two countries, often ruled by wicked rulers and kings who would plunder their people and lead them away from the worship of the true God. I mean, you just have to flip through the pages of First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles and just see this cycle of bad leadership and destruction and idol worship and punishment. Um, There would be sporadic revivals and rebuilding, 
uh, and periods of renewal. There would even be a return to the homeland, rebuilding their city and their temple. But never again would they return to their former, former glory. And yet all along the prophets promised a coming time when David's kingdom would be restored, when a suffering servant king would come and rescue them and lead them to peace and prosperity. But it became increasingly difficult to cling to those promises if you're a first century Jewish person. So much cynicism. The world's so broken. Everything seemed impossible. It seemed the world had moved on. Alexander the Great conquered these lands and established Greek culture and language. Then the Romans conquered the Greeks. And while they kept Greek culture, they also instituted their own rituals and sacred pagan practices. And it seemed like God had moved on. He had not spoken to his people for hundreds of years. False claims of messiahs would come and go and be crushed. Revolts would come and be crushed. And now they're ruled by a ruthless and corrupt governor, Herod, installed by Caesar and distrusted by the people. So when we open the New Testament and we peek in on Mary, we find her among a people mostly cynical about the promises of God. Yes, they believe the promises because this is what Jewish people believe. But would the Messiah come in their time? And would he come to them and among them? Most, mostly they lost hope. And yet in the middle of this bleak midwinter, in the midst of a dark world to a people who had lost heart, God breaks in to announce the coming of the Son of God. Of course, this is Gabriel's second appearance in the Christmas narrative. Earlier he had appeared to Zechariah, the husband of Mary's cousin Elizabeth, to announce another unlikely conception. The baby who would be John the Baptist, the Old Testament, the last Old Testament prophet, and the one who would prepare the way for Jesus. Gabriel's presence to Mary is significant. Her His only other appearance occurred in the book of Daniel. Gabriel was God's special angelic messenger sent to initiate the eternal plan of redemption. And after 400 years, light had dawned once again on God's people. So Mary might have been surprised to see an angel in her tent, in her place of dwelling. But you and I have to understand that the appearance of the angel Gabriel was not a moment too soon or too late. You see, God's visit to a young teenage girl in a small town on the backside of the Roman Empire was planned long ago before the world began. I love how the Apostle Paul, who was once a skeptic of the Christmas narrative, says in Galatians 4 that all of this happened at just the right time. Or as the King James Version says, in the fullness of time. And this is all part of the thread of God's redemption, first whispered, to Eve in the garden when God promised there'd be a clash between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent, but that through a woman, through the seed of the woman, a deliverer would come, a Messiah would come. And there's this thread throughout the Old Testament, this promise that grows louder and louder until it explodes in full view here in Matthew's gospel here in the New Testament. You see, the world may have been asleep. Israel may not have been ready. But on that fateful day when God visited Mary, the eternal plan of redemption was right on schedule. 
And the angel says, You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you will name him Jesus, and he will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Think of the rich symbolism in these words in this moment. Mary is a daughter of David, about to marry a son of David. She would bear in her her womb the eternal Son of God. But more than that, Mary, a daughter of Eve, would bear in her womb the second Adam, who would come to reverse the curse ushered on the human race and the cosmos by the disobedience of the first Adam. God's plan of redemption and salvation is unfolding in the life of this poor, uneducated, illiterate, unknown, but faithful, righteous peasant girl from Nazareth named Mary. I love what Charles Wesley writes. Rise the woman's conquering seed, bruise in us the serpent's head. Now display thy saving power, ruin nature, now restore. Just as the fruit of the first woman ushered death and sin into the world, so the fruit of a woman would defeat sin and death. This is the story of Christmas, my friends. This is the inbreaking of God's kingdom. The beginning of God's reversal of the curse is renewal and restoration of human hearts and of of the world. I'm impressed by Mary's response. I'm impressed. First she asked, how can these things be? How can these things be? Mary responds with awe. How can this be? In other words, I'm not worthy of this calling. How can this be happening in my life? Who am I to carry the child of promise? How can this happen? And this is the question we ask every Christmas as we sit and wonder and worship. How can these things be? That God could come and take on human flesh. That Jesus could be both fully God and fully man. How can these things be? There's a level at which we don't understand and we just pause and we worship. Mary was shaken. And I imagine we would be shaken as well. I mean, imagine what she's thinking and feeling. She's a human being. Imagine how she's trembling. But maybe what disturbed her the most were the angel's words, you are highly favored. Think of that. Mary, the young, unknown teenage girl in a small town. Maybe she was devout and followed Jewish religious practice, but she certainly didn't think she was anything special or worthy of an angelic visit. You are highly favored. Just stop and think, who are the kinds of people that find the favor of God? We think princes and kings and people with big platforms and extraordinary gifts. And God does call people to those positions and rule in those pathways but most of all the kingdom of god favors the the meek and the lowly and the unknown and the angel reassures her with these words do not fear these are words you often hear in the christmas narrative to zechariah do not fear to the shepherds in bethlehem do not fear 
To the wise men, do not fear. To Joseph, do not fear. To Mary, Mary, do not fear. You see, whenever angels showed up in those days, people got scared. And that's how it should be. You know, today we're not as fearful of God as people were in the first century. And that might be a problem. You know, we we talk about God as the man upstairs. We think, well, God surely should like me because I'm likable. And while God has come and dwelt among us, Emmanuel, he's also transcendent and holy. People in the first century didn't want, just want God to show up. They trembled in fear because they knew they were not worthy to be in his presence. Think about Moses, who couldn't look at the face of God, and when he returned from Mount Sinai, had a face that glowed like the sun. And yet the angel repeats that word to Mary, you are highly favored. What does the angel mean here? Well, what he means is that God visited her and chose her to bear this Christ child. You know, really, there was nothing really in Mary that warranted this kind of special favor. And you notice Mary doesn't say, well, of course you choose me to bear the Messiah. I've worked myself into this position. I've kept all the Jewish laws and customs. I'm faithful. And quite frankly, our family fits the qualification and the socioeconomic markers. And we deserve this. No, no. Mary knew, and we know too, that favor by God is not earned and it's not deserved. And just as Mary was visited by God, so too we who call ourselves Christians have been miraculously visited by God. We don't deserve God's favor. And yet, like Mary, because of the life of the baby in Mary's womb, we too can be called friends of God. Isn't that a wonderful story? That is the real story and message of Christmas. Lastly, I want to focus on Mary's response. It's a simple response to a hard calling. I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. In other words, Mary said, yes. She said yes to God. And this was no simple yes. This was a hard yes. Let's consider what Mary was signing up for. She was saying yes to bearing the shame of an unwed pregnancy at a time when this carried incredible social stigma. What her friends and family believe her claims to have been visited by the Holy Spirit. Would they believe her story? Would Joseph stay with her or would he put her away? See, we know the end of the story, but she didn't know when she said yes. She was saying yes to raising the son of God. I mean, it's hard enough, those of us who are parents, to raise sinful children. But imagine the burden of raising Jesus. Imagine her fear every time he got a cold, every time he left home to play with his friends, every time he picked up a sharp knife in Joseph's carpentry shop. For Mary, the responsibility of caring for this important child would be staggering. She was also saying yes to a lifetime of roller coaster emotions. She would see Jesus feed multitudes on the hillside with a little boy's lunch. She would see Jesus walk on the water. She would see Jesus heal the lame and the blind and the deaf and the sick. She'd see Jesus raise people from the dead. She'd hear his words of teaching that made the crowds spellbound. But she'd also see Jesus alienated from his own family in Nazareth. His own brothers, his own family reject him. She'd see the religious leaders try to kill him. She would see 
people leave Jesus when he became unpopular and his teaching was hard. She would see one of his closest associates betray him. She would see him arrested unjustly. Mary would see his disciples abandon him and deny him. Mary would be there at the foot of the cross as her son, beaten so badly he couldn't be recognized, nails piercing his hands and feet, blood pouring from his body, struggling to gasp for breaths, crying out in agony. She'd see him bear the weight of all the sins of every human being. As Simeon in the temple said, a sword would pierce her soul. You know, it's hard to see your children suffer. Imagine seeing your son bear the shame and the stigma of sin and die such an ugly, grotesque death. She'd see them pull his body off the cross. And then she'd see him after and after he rose again from the grave. This is what Mary was saying yes to. She may not have understood all that Calvary would bring, but she knew it was coming. She knew enough to dread that day her son was so badly treated and would have to bear the sins of the world. Imagine Mary's mother's heart, Mary with the mother's heart. So this was what she was saying yes to. And yet, she said yes. Yes, Lord, I will do it. Now, None of us will have to say yes in the way that Mary said yes. But all of us to follow Jesus will have to give, a, give him a hard yes. To follow Jesus means uncertainty. It means hardship. It means persecution at times. And Mary's a, an example, a model for us of what it means to say yes. But Mary can only so yes, say yes in that moment when the angel visited her because Some 30 years later, her son, the one who was in her womb, Jesus, he would say yes to God. Mary could say yes to the hard call of discipleship because Jesus said yes to the cup of God's wrath in the garden. You see, our yes is made possible because Jesus said yes to the Father. God would sustain Mary from a humble teenage girl in a backwater town to mother of the Messiah to pillar of the early church. I want to ask you today as you approach Christmas and you approach Advent season, what yeses are, is God asking you to, to accept? What hard calls, what hard decisions? And I want to say that God can sustain you through Christ who gave the ultimate yes in the garden to bear your sins and mine. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Characters of Christmas. The Characters of Christmas podcast is a production of lifeaudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This Christmas season, we hope you'll also check out Dan's book, The Characters of Christmas, The Unlikely People Caught Up in the Story of Jesus. It's available for Moody Publishers on Amazon.com or wherever you buy your books. You can find more from Dan and all his latest books and podcasts by visiting his website, danieldarling.com. If you liked what you just listened to, would you take a second and tell your friends about us? And maybe also leave us a rating on your favorite podcast app. This podcast is produced by Kelly Givens and Stephen Sanders, with editorial oversight provided by me, 
Stephen McGarvey. To find more great Christian podcasts like this, check out the rest of our shows at lifeaudio.com. In a world where relationships are easily broken and often discarded, the Rebuilding Us Marriage Podcast is your lighthouse, guiding the way to hope, restoration, and transformation in Christ. I'm your host and marriage coach, Dana Shea. Join me as we discuss the necessary tools for rebuilding marriages from adversity, betrayal, and disconnection. It's time to reignite love as we rebuild marriages from the ground up. Listen to the Rebuilding Us Marriage podcast on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.